Hello, Herd, and welcome to another episode of the Rebels Rewatch. Yeah. I am your Herd leader, John Wayne. And I am your Herd, Mom Megan. And don't petition to have my name changed. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's current events for you if you're paying yeah. attention. But no, uh, thank you for joining us yet again for another dive into a Rebels episode. Yeah, um, it's only th- downhill from here. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we're always very self-conscious because uh, these tend to be rambly uh, episodes and whatnot. Um, and... We kind of talk about why that is in our last episode um, about the B-Wing and everything. Um, So hopefully you check that out. If not, if you want to kind of see a peek into the brain uh, of Nerd Herder and how these episodes work, check that episode out. It's also a fun episode. I talk a lot about how cool B-Wings are because they're super cool. They are super cool. Um, But uh, to those that have reached out and said how much they appreciate it and like the style and all that other stuff, that's very encouraging. So thank you. Very much. We're glad to have fans um, in general, but also of very specific things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, something we talked about in the last one is how different Rebels is from the main show. And so um, it's good to know people like both formats. We obviously do because we do it. Um, so, but uh, thank you for everyone's kind words who uh, reached out and all that good stuff. Um, so we're chugging along, continuing with um, our Rebels rewatch into Season 2, Episode 8. Season 2 has been kind of dragging um, just because of interruptions and everything, but it's looking like we're on good track um, to knock this out and keep a steady flow. We're already, um, if you were on our Patreon, you would know this, um, we're already talking about uh, the the remainder of Season 5 that we're in on to uh, Season 6. Um, and some that even the patrons don't know is what plans we have for when we're done with our Rebels rewatch. Oh, it's going (laughs) to be delightful. And we're very excited. So, um, yeah, so all the more motivation for us. We want to not get through, uh, Rebels because we don't enjoy it, but we're also excited for what we'll be able to do on the other side. Right now, the main show in Rebels is kind of, it's what we can produce. Um, and, uh, we're making changes and moves to be able to do that well so we don't want to upset the rhythm and add anything now um, but it also gives us more time to prepare for newer cooler things and everything so um but over on our main show specifically we do have some cool plans uh as far as season six uh coming into our two-year anniversary of podcasting all that kind of cool stuff um so we are excited we're thinking and planning and doing and making yeah. all do, that do, good do, stuff do, do, do. so um this episode though is a fun episode last one was very um well i mean i kind of put the focus on the b-wing because that for me was the focus and the highlight of yeah. the last episode let's i think main point of this episode is basically let's just look at a cool character and talk about like underground bounty hunting and stuff again. Yeah. Um, so we kind of teased it last time. Um, and if you know this episode, uh, Blood Sisters, then you know um, kind of the deal. It, it, it's a character-centric, very let's find out some about the past. Let's co- make this character a little bit more complex. Um, you know, this is really kind of peeling back and seeing more of the character of Sabine. Yeah. Um, I think the last time we really got some good Sabine focus was when she and Hera had her that episode in season one mm-hmm. on um, the Clone Wars planet, um, Anaxis. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they got some time and we got to learn a little bit about 
both of their motivations and um, kind of what's going on with them as characters. Um, so, and I mean, I could be wrong, but I remember that being one of the last big Sabine moments. Um, so it's nice to have her kind of front and center, um, this time around. And what, what sets this up is running a secret mission for the rebels. They're looking for an informant. And so, um, Hera just is adamant that Sabine's good for the job. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just bring Ezra along too, because he's a main character. Well, yeah, Ezra's bugging to He's just kind of there. Yeah, yeah. He, he's not really a big part of what's going on. He just happens to be there um, to add a little bit more flavor. And then, of course, Chopper's there as well. Um, you gotta have Chopper. So uh, the funny thing is uh, the, the scenes of them trying to find the informant. Yes. This is very old school, like, yeah, he'll have a you'll have a code phrase and they'll know who you are, yeah. kind of trench coat kind of <laughs> style. It's a long way to Alderaan. It's a long way to Alderaan. Um, <laughs> it's just funny seeing them just drone on and they're just not very casual about it at all. No. Um, but literally saying to every person that passes by, it's a long way to Alderaan. Literally. And so, um, and along the way, Sabine's caught by a bit of graffiti tag, which is something she's very mm-hmm. uh, known for. Um, oh, yeah. Almost all the time she has to stop and, and tag something on, on some of their missions. She usually does that sort of uh, Phoenix Squadron symbol um, that later becomes the Rebel symbol, uh, which yeah. is really cool. Um, so it can be taken as she's just appreciating art. Yeah. Um, which also, um, and I'm, I know it would have come up, uh, it will come up again, but... Um, it's really cool to see a character like Sabine um, be so artistic and creative because of the time period she would have been around with Mandalore. Yeah. Um, she's obviously a warrior. She's, she's obviously a tough character and she's definitely um, more typical Mandalorian. I think everybody thinks, man, you know, you think of Mandalorians, you think of warriors, you know, you think of action and all this other stuff. Yeah. But you know, Mandalore and the Clone Wars was very artsy. It, it was, was beautiful. It was more, hey, we've had enough of the wars. Let's just have peace. So you see a lot of art and, um, you know, statues and all this other stuff that's very, uh, we would rather, re- you know, be known for creativity and, and yeah. culture and everything. Well, so, I mean, you can tell that just by looking at Satine's outfits. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, so gorgeous. So Sabine seems like a very... So she's an amalgamation of both sides of warrior and artist. Um, There's reasons why um, that we learn in later seasons, but it's just really interesting because I think she's very well balanced for what Mandalorians are canonically. Yeah. Um, You know, the Mando in the Mando show is very warrior. The Mando show. The Mando show. Baby Yoda and little Skronky. (laughs) Yeah. He's all warrior. He's all like, he's everything that everybody fell in love with, with Boba Fett. Looks cool, yeah. acts cool, gets the jobs done kind of stuff. Which makes sense because he was raised by Death Watch. Uh, oh, that's a good point. Um, and so, well, I mean, technically Sabine was. That is true. Um, she's well, she's of Clan Rin, which is under House Vizsla. So she, she was associated as well. Um, so... If anything, that explains why she would have a, a warrior's edge to her. Yeah. Um, but by being a clan within a clan, it also makes sense why she could have 
um, influence and culture as well. Yeah. You know what I want to know? Sorry, this is getting a little off topic. As it always does. As it always does. <laughs> How did Moff Gideon get the Darksaber? Uh, hopefully we'll find out. Hopefully. Um, in season two and such. Honestly. Um, so, uh, but you know, so Mando's very warrior. You, you mentioned Satine. She's a perfect example of the height of the Renaissance of Mandalore kind Duchess. of thing, you know? Um, and so there's these two, sometimes I think competing characteristics of Mandalorians, mm-hmm. um, that are very harmonious in the character of Sabine. Yeah. Um, it's just a very well fleshed out character in general. Yeah. Uh, and I think here is where. I see a lot more of how different her armor is. Um, it I didn't realize when I first watched it uh, during its original airings that she changed up her armor, her even her hair color, and mm-hmm. all this other stuff. She she changed up uh, season to season, um, and I think just because she's so front and center here, it shows off a little bit more. There's yeah. a, a lot more uh, orange and bright colors, which is really cool. Like I I want to do that. If I could get away with that, I would do it in a heartbeat. Like well, right now, my hair is kind of a purple gradient. Yeah, um, I, I just love that you know she expresses through her armor. I think this yeah. is a very Mandalorian thing, but I think most take it in the idea of you know kill kill marks or um, mm-hmm. like with Boba Fett, he doesn't clean up his armor. He likes this the the mess of it because yeah. it shows. And so do we. He's been somewhere. Yeah, oh yeah, it looks cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you usually think of it like this very badges of honor and these things that signify power. Whereas, you know, her approach is all artistic. It's all a matter of colors and yeah. uh, curves and shapes. Um, so again, I mean, S- Sabine, I don't some- think sometimes gets a lot of credit. I don't mean to be one of those blah, blah, blah is underrated. Because usually the people, th- the things people say are underrated aren't. Um, I don't think Sabine's underrated, but I think there's parts of her character that, um, aren't as highlighted. I think, oh, you know, action. Oh, she's a leader. Oh, explosives. Like there's a lot of things that are very on the surface, but I think there's other things deeper in the character that are also just as, uh, great that add to her as well. Yeah. We met a great, um, Sabine cosplayer at Celebration. Yeah. And her armor was egregious. Oh yeah. Um, so Sabine is caught by the uh, the graffiti, but doesn't really make a big yeah. deal of it. Like I said, it could be taken as she's just appreciating art. Mm-hmm. Um, come Hope to we f- know better. Yeah, come to find out. So we get a uh, bounty hunter introduced, um, and she's BA. She's awesome. She is awesome. Uh, Ketsu Onyo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you've never seen Onyo. the video of the French chef saying onion. It is the funniest thing in the world. Yeah, her name's not Onion. It's Onya or Onyo. I like you can pronounce it numbers of ways. Her but name is Onyo. We're gonna say Onyo. Uh, but Ketsu, um, she's introduced. Uh, also, the courier is a gonk droid. Yes. So yeah, come to find out the whole time that the droid's just been there. Yeah. Um, just and sitting. Sabine says, like Ezra, of course, is like most people would be like, "What the heck?" But Sabine makes a good point. It's just like. Were you looking for a gonk droid? Yeah, and we get an amazing face from Ezra, mm-hmm. where he's sitting on the gonk droid, and it stands up with him on it, and it's just like, Whoa. oh yeah, yeah, that's how they find him. It's um, very funny. It's all very good. So once the courier is identified, that's when Ketsu comes out, and instantly it's obvious 
that Sabine knows Ketsu mm -hmm. and there's history and all of a sudden the graffiti makes sense. Um, I really, really love the design of Ketsu. Oh yeah. She looks great. Um, so what's interesting is although we don't see it yet, um, her ship is based on the Banshee, which I mean, it's so funny that, you know, we're, we're talking about dark disciple in the next episode yeah. Uh, which is all about Asajj Ventress and her adventures with Quinlan Boss and everything. I swear, like we've seen so much art, so much yeah. conversation, and now like so many things coming up in little Easter egg stuff where it's referencing things around Dark yeah. Disciple. This, and so it's so funny. There's so much build up to this episode that at this point we better make it a daggum good. Right, it, it's got to be the best of the best, man. Golly. Right? Uh, the pressure's on, but which means that we're just going to be screaming for an hour <laughs> about <laughs> how great this book is. It's fantastic, um, guys. So it, that's one cool Easter egg um, yeah. I didn't know until until going back to research for the episode, um, and it's really cool. I, I I really like her ship design. I like um, you know it's one of those sort of horseshoe or like um, saucer types, like the the Falcon, and uh, even sort of the Ghost in terms it's it's big. Mm -hmm. It's beefy and wide and everything. It's not like sleek and fast. It's not a, uh, it's intimidating, more intimidating than a, a sort of drag racer style uh, ship. Yeah. Um, it's a cool ship. So, but not only that, but even her helmet is very similar to uh, Ventress's bounty hunter helmet. Do you think this was originally supposed to be Ventress? No, I, I think maybe it's just extrapolated. It's just like, well, we're using her ship. I mean, we could base some of the design off of that because we really didn't get to see much of her bounty hunter stuff. I mean, Dark Disciple, we would have seen... Like, the book doesn't say she wears her helmet, but I have to assume when she's on jobs and everything. Yeah. Because that's her identity now. Uh, we only got to see a, a little bit of bounty hunter ventures. Yeah. So I think it's this idea of, well, if we're already going to use this idea, let's kind of pull some more from the character of Ventress. We got the assets um, from it. Yeah, I don't think it was meant to be Ventress full on. I don't that wouldn't have really worked for me. Plus, at that point, I'm pretty sure it was already confirmed um, about her fate. So, yeah. but it, it is very similar. Which is also, I mean, there's just this one design that keeps coming back in Star Wars helmets. Yeah, and it's this one with the the slit eyes and the weird like mouthpiece. Yeah, makes you look um, like you're going. Ooh. You you see it on. I want to say the first time we see it is on Boosh or uh, or his armor that Leia wears in Return of the Jedi. If you haven't read that story, read it. Yeah, it's delightful. Um, so uh, I, I want to say that's the first appearance. Yeah. Um, and then for some reason it just became very commonplace. It 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 is sort of based on the Super Trooper early Boba Fett style armor by Ralph McQuarrie, which makes sense because most of Rev Rebels is inspired by. Uh, McQuarrie, rightfully wasn't there, so. Wasn't there a design for Luke Skywalker wearing a helmet similar to it? Not Luke Skywalker, uh, similar to this one? Yeah. No, um, but uh, it was the design basis for the Sith Infiltrator armor that Galen Merrick from The Force Unleashed. So if you go the bad side, if you take the bad oh. ending uh, and kill Vader and attempt to kill Palpatine... Um, it goes bad and basically you're turned into the next Vader yeah. and the armor you wear is very similar. The, the, the mask at least is very similar to this, very similar to Boosh. Um, it's based yeah. on old Sith, uh, Sith armor style. I promise that we're going to get back on streaming the force unleashed at some point. Yeah. Uh, we will get there. We've got to find 
a good time to do that and everything, but uh, it's something we definitely need to do. Because um, I've never played the game. You've 100%ed both games. Yeah, well, what's so. difficult is um, streaming, man. It's it, like I play Battlefront sometimes, and I'm not even putting it on Twitch, but um, even that, sometimes I get kicked off because of Wi-Fi issues. Yeah, um, we have crap Wi-Fi. So now uh, we have the game, so we wouldn't have we wouldn't be using the Wi-Fi so much to play the game, but to record. And it's just the stop and go. Sometimes I was playing Jedi Fallen Order on Twitch once, and I mean three times in, during a stream, it killed on me. And it's just it gets to a point where it's it just ain't frustrating. Worth it. So we're all that to say if. If I can figure out a better way to do it yeah. um, is the thing. I, I don't want to do something that is so inconvenient like that um, for folks because then it's no fun to check in and enjoy. So, um, but we will get there. And, uh, but so the Force Unleashed has a reference um, to this armor as well. So it's just really interesting that it keeps popping up um, all in very, very, very similar styles. Uh, oh, and even, um, even Boba Fett, I want to say when uh, he was with uh, Crate's Claw during the Clone Wars, um, he had a helmet based on this even because he blew up his dad's. Yeah. Um, so yet again. This is just a very popular helmet style. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, again, it makes sense because it looks so cool. Yeah. It's like a Stetson in the West. And, you know, and I just recommend people look it up to really get the uh, effect. Um, Boba Fett's is a little bit more boxy, mm-hmm. um, almost Power Ranger-y kind of style. Ah, uh, yeah, that looks like Power Ranger. But um, it's it's not as sleek as uh, Ketsu's. But again, it's got the single slit for the the eyes, and mm-hmm. then it's got like this box or or this weird almost uh, breather mask style. Yeah. Over the math. It, over the mouth. It's something that is very appealing in Star Wars is stuff that looks extraterrestrial. Yeah, well, yeah, it makes her look alien. And for the first part where you don't see her face, um, it does a good job of concealing her. Mm-hmm. So for the episode itself, so we know we now have the mission and we have the adversary. And of course the Empire's kind of involved there too. Yeah. But um Black Sun, uh, one of the criminal empires of uh, Crimson Dawn, if it still exists at this point, um, I'm not entirely sure. I think this is too close to episode four. Uh, but if Kira is still in charge, it may still be around. But it would not be the Crimson Dawn Maul was in charge of. Nonetheless, Black Sun was definitely around and in charge. That that solo happened about ten years before episode four. There's no way he's still. A- Wait, no, duh. Yeah. Well, he's still alive. Say, he's still alive, but he's not in job. Prob- I don't. Well, I mean, from what we know of how he appears in Rebels, I know nothing about how he appears. Well, in Rebels. from what I know of him appearing in Rebels, he's not in the office right now. He is out of the office. Can I take a message? <laughs> <laughs> so, all that to say, I still stand by my point. Kira's in charge at this point. Absolutely. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Uh, they haven't told us that story, so I don't know. Okay, it's not a no. It's not a yes, so it's canon. <laughs> uh, no, it's if not. Can- if, 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 we haven't gotten a definitive no that it's not canon, therefore it's canon. That That's a fast and loose way to play with your Star Wars, but why yeah. not? 
So, uh, but she specifically is hired by Black. She she works for Black Sun because that she even has their symbol on her helmet. Yeah. So, I, I she she is to Black Sun what Boba is to the Huts in terms of primary guy on call if you need something done kind of person. Yeah. Um, Just touching chins wherever she goes. Yeah. Not entirely. If if they did state why they needed this information, I don't remember it. Valuable. But, um, well, be. yeah, but I don't, why would gangs and rebels be after the same information? I'm not sure. Highest bidder. I don't remember, uh, what it's about. Um, but either way, that's the competition. They both want the information the droid has. Um, and so the rep, the empire gets involved and that actually helps Sabine and Ezra. Uh, well, Sabine and the droids, uh, choppers there yes. as well, escape. Ezra gets kind of left behind. <laughs> Um, but Ketsu gets a cool scene there where she's left with the uh, stormtroopers after they escape, and she just easily dispatches. Yeah, like, oh, uh, you know, she's she's just flaunting how awesome she is. She's got a bayonet on the underside of her rifle. Oh yeah, well that's what you want. You want both long and short range built in one. You don't want to have to change weapons mid mid battle. Yeah. Very smart. Are you a melee guy or a ranged guy? Uh, range if I can do it, but I- I'll stab a dude. Blunt or uh, one-handed sword? Uh, no, like little little daggers. I like little so you're fast rogue. kills. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I'm a tank. <laughs> yeah. I like if hammer. I if I can't hit it with a hammer, it's not it's not bad. Um, I'm either a tank or a bard. There is no in between. The the number of hijinks that ensue uh, in the whole escape, um, it's good because the pace of this episode is really really good. So. I mean, as, as we're talking about it, it seems like it's not. But if you actually watch the episode, the action and suspense and the every time you think, okay. So, for instance, Sabine got the droids on a ship and left. I mean, yeah. they'll come back for Ezra. That It can work. This seems fine, but she stole essentially a bus, whereas Ketsu's got, of course, her ship, which is definitely more fast. Yeah. And she's got to drive over 55 miles an hour or else the RX uh, yeah. droid will explode. Keanu Reeves is there yelling at her. Um, Sandra Bullock is there for some reason. So Ketsu catches up quickly. So it's like, it seems like an escape, but then it really doesn't pan out. Um, But then there's a standoff of, um, all right, well, I'm going to get your ship uh, and I'm going to get the droid. Chopper goes through space, gets on Ketsu's ship um, and (laughs) solves one problem in terms of, hey, she can't fire on me. There's such a good screen cap from this episode where you just see Ketsu. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. And so Chopper is really tiny behind her. As, yeah. Cause she's talking to Sabine. Sabine doesn't know what Chopper's doing, Yeah, but Chopper just happens to appear on her ship, disables Ketsu's gun. So it's like, Hey, she can't shoot at us now, but Ketsu realizes captures Chopper. So yet again, plan C or D fails. Yeah. Okay. Well now we're going to trade. Oops, now the Empire's here, and we're all on the same ship, so now we have to work together to get rid of the Empire, get on my ship. And all of this happens in one episode. Yeah, it's real, like, and again, so it it's not super fast, but it's also, it's always moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a really good example of how to keep things interesting. Yeah. It could just be as simple as shooting your way out, but it, like... The number of times things go wrong and the creative response, especially from Sabine, um, 
it's just it's really good yeah. and and the way they really do force the characters to work together is really good it's much better than oh well we're in a room together we might as well make it work yeah. like, no, it's legit like hey neither of us want to die we both want the information so that means we do have to get it out yeah if we have to get it out we have to work together so it it works really well it's really well done um and then of course we get uh the all-important backstory so all throughout, you know, obviously Sabine knew who she was as soon as she saw her. Um, and there's always this banter throughout the episode leading up to the, the big heartfelt confessions um, of, dang, like, what the heck? How far yeah. do you go back? What did she do? What did she say? Who did she hurt? Um, and and essentially, it's a very similar Han-Kira situation um, without the love story. Um, yeah, without the love story. Um, and it essentially has to do with Ketsu seems a bit older than Sabine. And after Sabine left the empire, um, Ketsu took her in, taught her the ways of bounty hunting and they worked together. And it seemed like the person that Ketsu is was who Sabine was. So she wasn't the family driven. She wasn't the do the right thing. It was fight to survive, do the job, get it done, get paid kind of mentality. Um, and apparently at one point, uh, that just didn't work for Sabine. Um, and apparently, uh, Ketsu left her on either a bad job or just in general, like something went wrong and Ketsu, you know, just cut her off. I'm going to go get milk. Because, you know, Ketsu's whole motivation is the job's important. Surviving is important. Yeah. People are expendable. Um, you know, she doesn't say it that way, but essentially that's the vibe. And, but this is where Sabine's character shifts because this is where Sabine learns people are important because who you have around you could be who you depend on most at one point. And this point she depended on Ketsu and Ketsu was just like, sorry. Um, and it also explains why, you know, we mentioned, um, the episode with Sabine and Hera when they're on Anaxis. Sabine is annoyingly distrusting of Hera. Like, Mm -hmm. tell me what you're doing. Tell me what's going on. Tell me who Fulcrum is. Like, you know, I think I complained about that actually. Like it, like it didn't seem at that point in the story. Why in the heck? Just, just trust Hera. If I could trust anyone, (laughs) I would trust Hera. Yeah. Um, But these sort of character revelations make sense. She's been hurt. She's been left behind. She's been kept in the dark. And, you know, this idea of fearing the same thing's going to happen. I'm going to get left. I'm going to get cut off. I'm going to get, you know, uh, thrown away. She has, um, for all intents and purposes, uh, a sort of PTSD emotionally from that sort of uh, uh, broken relationship. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense she has trouble trusting people. Uh, But she does the, the big thing in terms of trying to make peace by sick. Like, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. If Sabine can change and learn that no people, people can be important and good for you, um, then Ketsu can, uh, you know, and it's a big thing of maturity because Sabine could just get the job done and could just get it over with, with her old partner, but she wants the best for her partner, even after Ketsu hurt her. Yeah. Um, and so it's, a big sign of maturity and it's very admirable. Um, 
And if anything, Ketsu's only act operating and reacting out of what she assumes Sabine feels. Yeah. It's easy to justify being like mean and angry to a person that you're afraid is mean and angry to you. When in fact, that's just your projection. Ketsu probably feels like Sabine would want to kill her. And maybe old Sabine did, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe she's right. At one point Sabine would have tried to kill her because of what she did, but that's not who she is anymore. But, but Ketsu's reacting out of her imagination about she's reacting out of her yeah. uh, projected opinion because that's what she would do exactly and that's the thing is I got I got to strike before she does because I know she's pissed I yeah. know she's not happy I know she wants to kill me for what I did so I've got to I've got to go first I've got to go hard you know and um, I think that it can be seen as a cheesy of oh yeah. they work together and it's all fine and what well, but I th- I really think the emotional high of this moment where they're just like okay like well sabine's like it's serious we might die let's figure this out and get over it so we can work together um it feels very earned and real it doesn't feel like uh oh they fought goku so now they're a good guy like it doesn't feel like it just happens because the story dictates it but in goku's uh defense how can you not come in contact with Goku and not want to be his best friend, honestly? Right. Exactly. Um, but, you know, it, it's a given with everybody. Everybody's infected by um, the childlike, you know, uh, character of Goku. Uh, They're just like, I need to protect this dummy. <laughs> um, it, it, it makes sense narratively for Dragon Ball, but at the same time, it also, it's just very there it's yeah just a constant thread um here and in a lot of times similar to this uh where reconciliation kind of happens between two past characters um mm-hmm. it kind of just happens because the story dictates it not because the story's earned it mm-hmm. uh and again the different dialogues and i mean sabine's whole thing here she's actually not trying to fight ketsu she's trying to get away yeah because she probably is projecting as well She's probably projecting her own, like, it just shows how much gets in the way sometimes of forgiveness and reconciliation when we project stuff and when we overthink it and when we let our anxieties dominate the conversation. We don't really have a conversation. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've been talking a lot. What can I say? Yeah. Um... I think we we didn't mention that Ketsu's ship is called the Shadowcaster, which is a no. Dope I just name. I just referenced I just said that it was based on the, yeah. the band. Yes, um, which sounds like a, a freaking D and D class. Yeah, uh, this yes, this is a cool ship. Are um, you a Shadowcaster? You, I really everybody's a Shadowcaster. <laughs> Everybody has a shadow. You make me so angry. Uh, both emotionally, spiritually, and phys- physically. Physically, I guess. Shadow the yeah. physical. Did we mention the Rex droid or the RX droid? Uh, so no, I did mention she that Sabine uh, kidnapped a bus uh, for her escape, and of course the public transit system are, is all staffed by uh, Rex like units um, yeah. based on the Star Tours pilots, which is a good use of that's a great use of an weapons. asset. Like um, any time love... Rex shows up, I'm just so excited. Oh yeah, well they're adorable and they're so funny. So uh, it he's he's very funny. Yes. And that so when Sabine first gets on there, she has Chopper shut him down. And of course, as soon as it's all happening, he's freaking out because it's just like, 
ah, vagrants, they're vandalizing and capturing my ship. Oh no. So, um, he's, if you remember the last time one of these showed up, they're very sticklers for Imperial policy. Yes. <laughs> um, yes, they are. No, this one's no Rob Paulson, but, um, what's funny is, uh, when she wakes him back up, Sabine says, Hey, somebody's trying to hijack your ship. You've got to defend yourself <laughs> and then just bolts. Yes. And that's their escape plan. Because they're currently being boarded by the uh, Imperials. Yeah. So <laughs> so Rex just is like, oh, no, I've got to do something. And so it really just makes it out like, oh, I guess it was just a malfunction. Yeah. You know, like, it, it's a little thing, but it's so funny. Um, the thing we haven't mentioned is part of it is uh, Chopper overloads the hyperdrive. Yeah. So that was Sabine's whole thing because she's got to make stuff blow up. So her whole thing was, originally it was, we'll keep them away by saying our reactor's overloaded. Mm -hmm. But then it ends up getting used as a explosive in the end as they make their escape to take yes. out the um, Imperial cruiser. I, I, yet again, like the number of times they've had to modify their plan. It's crazy, but it's also really interesting because yeah. I love when stuff doesn't exactly work out. It's just a great plan z <laughs> yeah she i think they went through all the freaking out of that sometimes you just gotta blow crap up so um that of course since the bus blew up um they board the shadow caster and mm -hmm. ketsu takes everybody home and lets them have the career and just if, she's, a nice she's gonna fabricate a plan i guess you know i mean she she and sabine show they have reconciled and i love the part where towards the end uh hera greets everybody and thanks ketsu and then sabine's like uh, hey Ezra, can we have a moment? And Ezra's like, "Sure." Oh, you mean you guys? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's very much the like the scene from the Road to El Dorado. Like, do you mind? No. No. <laughs> That's so cute. Um, you know, and so this is a, a good end of hey. It's kind of is what it is, but I'm glad you helped, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and it leaves the door open um, for Ketsu to show back up again because you know, again, Ketsu, she's not a, really for the rebels. But mm -hmm. she's for Sabine by this point. Yeah. Um, and so it Charmy leaves. Bell. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. If you don't like Sabine, something's wrong. So it leaves the back door open for a very cool character to come back in. And it's very interesting. Um, I want to. Something interesting um, before we kind of wrap it up here. Um, obviously, with the Mandalorian show coming out and all the uh, newly injected lore of Mandalorian characters. You know, don't take off your helmet, blah, 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 blah. Um, I wonder if some of the character and life choices of Sabine are retroactively covered. Yeah. Because she's so influenced by a non-Mandalorian like Ketsu. You know, yeah. she spent so much time both with the Empire um, and with a bounty hunter. So I not to say that that diluted her Mandalorianness, because clearly, um, as we see throughout her story, She's still very much through and through a Mandalorian. Yeah. But some of the things, I mean, I guess one of the obvious ones people are going back and complaining about is everybody takes their helmet off. Where did this yeah. rule come from? Well, it's one of those things like you can think of it as, you know, a across the board Mandalorian thing, or you can think of it as a sect kind of structure. Well, for me, um, and I feel like we can, we will, we're planning to go back and revisit the Mandalorian season one leading up to season two. So I'm sure it'll come up more then, but I've kind of never seen a problem because no. when you look back, uh, there are only because now for Cl Clone Wars and Rebels are the main place where we see Mandalorians. Yeah. You know, that's just a fact. 
because of model assets for the shows, all the grunts never take their helmets off because yeah. they can't design that many unique faces. The ones that do are usually the leaders. Um, and, and so I've always kind of had this retroactive headcanon of, I feel like in one way people see it as dishonor. How dare you take your helmet off? How dare you show um, your, your, your face? Like, you know, you're, you're a Mandalorian because of the helmet. That's yeah. how people know who you are and what you stand for. But I almost feel like most of the characters are justified because of their status. It's this idea of only someone that good would be so bold as to show their face. You know yeah. what I mean? Almost like a challenge of like, oh, you want to challenge you want to challenge my Mandalorianness because you see my face? I'll still kick your butt. Because because most of them, you know, they they have that vibe about them. Yeah. Um, I also think that of certain characters, um, so characters like Finn Rao and uh, Pre Vizsla. Number one, Pre Vizsla was political. He needed a face yeah. for the the movement. He needed people to see him. Um, I feel like that alone justifies him. Finn Rao, I feel like because he's affiliated with the Empire and one of the last remaining elements of Mandalore, um, I feel like he doesn't know entirely, like, am I Mandalorian if I'm working for the Empire? Am I, like, I almost see it as this character conflict of because, I mean, even he doesn't wear fully Mandalorian armor. He mm -hmm. wears a different type. It's almost like this idea of, like, I feel weird wearing it because it says I'm Mandalorian, but my paycheck says Empire, you know. Yeah. Um, but again, with Sabine, you know, because of all of her external influences, I wonder if she just kind of regards it as, eh. It's just a That's old school. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the argument could be made that this is new Mandalorian culture. It depends on who you were raised by. It depends on, you know, where you came from, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it went through a little bit of rebirth between, I mean, the Clone Wars Literally. almost ended Mandalorians. Some still exist in the early Imperial days. Yeah. But by the end of the Empire, I mean, we see what's left. So more than likely, I mean, it could be a part of this sort of rebirth sect of, of Mandalorians in terms of, you know, we... We are Mandalorians and we need people to know that and we don't need them to know who we are. Because there's also, there could be things of like, if I mean, if they see your face, who could they trace you back to? Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, that it, there's there's real world connotations too. Don't show your face. Don't lead them back to your family kind of thing. Yeah. It also gives you a bit of anonymity in terms of if no one's ever seen your face, if you go undercover without your armor, you're still Mandalorian, but nobody knows who the heck you are. Yeah. So it kind of, it, it, like, there's a lot of elements, I think, work for it. So I just thought it was interesting watching this one in terms of she she's a little bit more bounty hunter, rebel, yeah. than Mandalorian sometimes. And do you think that's why, after a certain point, Boba Fett does not take off his helmet? I, I wonder. Um, I really do wonder. I also wonder if he wanted people to stop seeing his face like his father's face yeah if he wanted people just to see the armor after the clone wars you know the clones might be taken as a little bit you know yeah they killed the jedi mm -hmm. <laughs> like well and also i just feel like it's a matter of i want to be known for my armor not for my face yeah i don't want to be known as jango fett's son i want to be known as boba fett mm -hmm. um you know and I mean, I think that's a little bit of its own deep dive. And that's why I say I'm sure it'll come back up as we talk more about The Mandalorian in the near future. Um, but 
I just thought it was something interesting to linger on because it, it kind of pops up anytime yeah. I see Mandalorians now of, wait, we know some new things. That's interesting to kind of see how it works new and old and whatnot. Um, I mean, there's definitely around 20 something years apart between this and Mando or nearly that. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot that could change culturally for Mandalorians for sure. But anyway, um, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. It's a fun episode, introduces a fun character. Um, and yeah, it's just nice to get character development. That's what this show does so well by focusing on so few characters. Yeah. We get a lot more depth, uh, and not as much time. Um, you know, it takes a lot to build up characters. You only see once or twice per season, but when your main cast is always with you, it's a lot easier. Um, our next episode, uh, also deals with a bit of character development. It, uh, is a, Rex and Kanan buddy cop episode. Yes. So that one's a lot of fun. Looking Rex forward to that one. Rex is too old for this crap. Yeah. Uh, see Ezra and his two dads fight it out. Um, <laughs> it's a fun one. And so uh, we're excited for that. Thank you guys for listening. And um, as always, we are uh, thankful to be a part of the Red 5 Network. Uh, it's a Star Wars podcasting family. Um, and you can check out all the podcasts and all the people over on, uh, Twitter. Just look for red five or go to red five network. You'll see our podcast and all of their podcasts as well. Um, there's also blogs and other cool stuff. Um, yeah. also GI friends, um, game infinite. We are very thankful for game infinite. And, um, if you're looking to grow your world beyond just star Warsiness, um, game infinite's an awesome place to do that. Learn about current games, old games, catch some streaming, see some cosplay of your favorite gaming characters, all kinds of cool stuff. And um, we also help Game Infinite with their Star Wars Infinite page, which does a lot of the same things, but it's Star Wars specific. So if you only want Star Wars in your timeline over on Instagram, follow us at Star Wars Infinite. Uh, but highly recommend you check out Red 5 and Game Infinite. Cool people doing cool things, and we're glad to have them. Uh, we'll be back uh, fairly soon. Yeah. Uh, you won't get it, but we'll be back. <laughs> um, and uh, we're looking forward to the next episode and just what's coming up next. Like we mentioned, Dark Disciple discussion, lots of other cool stuff, and, of course, our continued Rebels rewatch. So anything to add? Um, two plus two. Five. Oh, no. Sorry. Seven? You're fired. Uh, with that, uh, since I have to look for a new uh, podcast mate, um, Wait. We'll, we'll end the episode there. Wait. <laughs> it's 22. <laughs> it gets worse every time. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening, and may the force be with you. Donate to Patreon to send me to school. <laughs> <laughs>